I was texting my best friend about how I wanted to do this and I was just unsure. And she sent me a message back saying, you're never going to fail. And what's the worst case scenario? Say you do this, you launch and it doesn't work. You get another job in a year from now. Yeah. And that's the worst case for all of us. If it doesn't work, we go back. We can all find jobs doing get another something. another job, yeah. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark, and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What's up, folks? Welcome to The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. As always, I'm very grateful. Happy Wednesday to you. Hope your week's going well. Mine's going okay. I just got done hacking up. Well, yeah, it's kind of gross. But anyway, I'm not feeling the greatest thanks to my wonderful little germ-ridden children uh, who just seem to attract every known germ to man and then just dump it all on me. And then I go through it for about three or four weeks. But But you know what? I love them anyway. That's just, you know, that's parenthood right there. But this is not a parenting show, although we have discussed parenting at times. This is the Gently Mad. As you come to expect, it's kind of all over the place. And I am uh, a bit all over the place this week. I've got a couple of weeks left to get my course out. And it is overwhelm fucking central. I'm, I'm telling you what, it's I'm I'm overwhelmed. But a lot of cool things happening with that. I'm excited for that, and I'm having so many com- great conversations with people, and that's what I love the most about doing this show. Is you guys email all the time, and I just get uh, to have these amazing conversations with you guys. And it really is uh, probably the most satisfying thing. And all, all this time, I've been worried about how do I monetize this? How do I monetize this? You know, how do I make money from this? I'm spending all this time on the phone talking to people, but I'm not making any money from it. So what should I do? And I had a conversation earlier this week, and I realized what what the hell is wrong with me? You know, why why can't I just do that for free? You know, I, I when I started freelancing six years ago. I didn't have any money and I really, really needed someone to talk to, to help me understand what to do next and where to go and what not to do and what pitfalls to avoid. But I couldn't afford the hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars an hour my heroes wanted to charge to talk to me. And I'm not blaming them for that. I mean, that's that's fine. But I've realized that Right now, at this season in my life, I can do this. I can talk to people, and I don't have to charge for it. So uh, it was really kind of a, a relief to realize, hey, you know what? This is something that I can do, that I enjoy doing, and that people are being 
helped by and and I don't have to worry about monetizing it. We don't have to monetize every fucking thing in our lives, people. I mean, we don't. And I just got done recording an interview today that will be released at some point in the future. That was just so great. So great. And and that was one of the whole points of the thing is that not everything is a business, you know? Some things you can just do because you enjoy them. And and it's 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 easy for us entrepreneurially minded people to always look for the business angle. Anytime we discover something we enjoy and something that we're decent at, somewhat talented at, like the first thought is how can I make money from this? And I feel like that has caused me personally so many problems because as soon as you start trying to figure out how you can monetize something, it just kills the whole thing. Okay? And I'm not saying don't try to make money from the stuff you enjoy doing. I'm, I enjoyed making this podcast and I'm making money from it now. And, but I'm just saying it's, it's okay to have things that you enjoy doing and not turn the thing into a damn business. Just enjoy it. Just, just have a hobby. Just enjoy it. All right. So that's what I'm doing with some of these phone calls anyway, that I'm enjoying lately. So keep sending me the emails. I appreciate it keep sending in the reviews and the downloads and all that stuff. It's meant a lot to me. Don't forget that uh, this week's giveaway, as I mentioned on Monday's episode, is uh, Stephen King's On Writing, which is one of my favorite books. It has had a really big impact on me, and you can get in on that by going to avclark.com slash free and uh, enter to win a copy of the book. Um, Last two weeks, we've done The War of Art, Uh, previous to that with Seth Godin's new book, What to Do When It's Your Turn. I think we're going to stick with the books for a while. Might do some t-shirts soon. Um, Let me know if you want me to do that. I've got some uh, potential opportunities to do some t-shirts. So if you want to do that, email me. Let me know. I'm kind of taking your advice on this, whatever whatever you'd like to get. So yeah, check that out. Go to avclark.com slash free and enter to win a copy of Stephen King's On Writing. And it's not just about writing, okay? It's it's about so much more than that. It's about craft. It's about getting better at your craft. And an amazing story of someone who overcame quite a bit to get better at his craft. Which is an amazing segue <laughs> into today's episode. Today, I've got Mary Beth Storjahan on the show. And Mary Beth is someone who also has quite an amazing story of, of of a career path that kind of took some turns here and there and finally led to her creating her own business and doing the things she really, really wanted to do. And it, it took a long time. It took years before she figured it out that this, this was the way to go. And, and that's another big thing that I've just been struggling with and at the same time learning lately is that it just takes time you know it just that's it's so easy to want to rush this stuff and figure out how to make money from stuff and and it it just it just takes time sometimes you just got to let it you just got to keep doing it just stick with it keep going until you figure out what to do next and Mary Beth has a great story. I really enjoyed talking to her. I, I did this interview with her last year, months and months ago, 
um, several interviews I've released lately have been from previous shows that I was planning to make and ended up deciding not to make in favor of making this show. And this one is, is one of those, but it still fits. It's still really applicable, I think. And as I said, she's just got a really cool story of of following a path that she thought she was supposed to follow because that's just what she was supposed to do and eventually realizing it wasn't what she really wanted to do and then what next when you're at that point what do you do do you just quit your job like how do you go from that point when you realize my life is not what I want it to be and I have a vision of what I want it to be but what are the steps between where it is and where I want it to be and Mary Beth and I talked a lot about a lot about that and a lot about all the fears in those steps. And it was just a great conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. So I think you will too. Before we get to that, as usual, I want to thank you guys for clicking on things and going to things that I ask you to go to. It helps me. It helps support the show. Last week, I announced that I was going to do an experiment with listener, listener supportedness, whatever you want to call it, listener donations, uh, which if you enjoy the show and you want to throw in a dollar or two, you can do that by going to avclark.com slash donate. And I want to say thanks to a friend of mine, Justin Jackson, who uh, did that since I announced that on Monday. And uh, he's got a great show right now, a brand new show called Build and Launch, where he is creating a new product every single week and walking through the process. So thanks a lot, Justin, for your support of this show. Every little bit helps. And I, I really do appreciate you doing that, Justin, and others of you as well. So if you're interested in that, if this has meant something to you, again, you can go to abclark.com donate and get in on that. All right. That's all I've got for this week or for today. Anyway, the week's not over, but I'm really looking forward to getting into this interview with Mary Beth. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be right back with that after this word from our brand new sponsor. And this is a special one, guys. Seriously, listen, listen to it. Listen all the way to the end. Very, very special offer. I can't, I'm I'm so excited about this sponsorship. So let's get into it. We have a brand new sponsor for this month, and I gotta say, this sponsor is near and dear to my heart. And without getting all sentimental and tearing up here, the sponsor is Fizzle. I don't even know how to begin to describe Fizzle. Fizzle is community, it's education, it's friendship, it's support, it's all those things. And most of all, it is a group. It is a group of entrepreneurs who are right where you are and who won't let you quit. I've been a member of Fizzle for a year and a half, two years now. It has been probably the single most impactful thing in my life that has helped me get to where I am, where I'm doing the thing that I want to be doing and I'm actually making money from it. I can put some food on the table by doing the thing that matters to me. So I don't know how to recommend Fizzle enough. So I called up my friends Chase and Corbett, 
who run Fizzle along with Barrett Brooks to ask them what Fizzle meant to them. Okay guys, so give me Fizzle in 20 words or less. Chase has never said anything in 20 words or less in his entire life. So. Well, uh, you know what? I just, uh, there's a lot uh, to talk about here. Uh, let's see. We can start with the community. When I say the fizzle in 20 words, like, I want people to hear it and, and know why I should do this, why I should join Fizzle. Like, you know, because they're going to be in all different stages. With that goal in mind, people listening, what what is fizzle in, in 20 words or less? I love how you get all the words to talk about what you need, yeah, and I get none seriously. of the words to answer. You just use 100 words to describe <laughs> what you want him to say in 20 um, uh, I would say this. I would say that it is, it is training on the sort of core business issues that you need training on, plus uh, the community of people who are also putting their ass on the line to build something that they care about to keep you going step after step because that's, that's just how the rubber and the road meet. Now, Corbett, you do one, because that's the I, one you should use. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I would say Fizzle is a place where small, independent entrepreneurs who just want to build something that they're proud of and um, put food on the table come for support, training, accountability, and camaraderie with other people who are doing the same thing. Okay, so there you have it. Maybe you can't describe Fizzle in 20 words. Maybe it's just that great. I think it is, anyway. And the Fizzle guys are doing something really cool for you TGM listeners, something they have not done for anyone else and are not doing for anyone else, giving you a free six-week trial of Fizzle. You can go in, you can check out every single course, you can check out every single founder story and all the resources in there. Check out the forums, the community, the support, all the stuff we just talked about for six weeks for free. Okay, and the way you do that is you go to fizzle.co slash TGM and start your six-week free trial. So it's an absolute no-brainer to check this out. And I can't recommend it enough. It's changed my life no matter where you are in your entrepreneurial journey. I can say without a doubt that it will change yours as well. So go check them out. Take advantage of the six-week free trial at fizzle.co slash TGM. folks i hope you're ready to talk to mary beth Storjahan because as i've said this was an incredible conversation i had so much fun let's get to it here's my conversation with mary beth from exactly i'm full italian you're so full italian I'm so full Ita- my family's from italy but i'm from southern california <laughs> so, I'm a- so when you say your family's from italy like uh meaning your parents were born and raised there or my, farther my back grand- than that my grandparents were born and raised there okay outside, so and then they came over and raised your parents here in mm-hmm. the u.s yep. okay all right so you still have a family um back over there i guess yeah cousins and such do you visit a lot? Um, no, I don't actually. My parents never went over, so I've only I've been to Italy twice on my own, but um, I haven't been over to kind of explore my roots or anything. So it's mostly I've done like the big cities and yeah, that, the fun touristy stuff. So it's on my bucket list to get back. And actually, you know, 
actually be able to live there for like three months at some point in time. So I want to really make a move over there. That's one of my one of my goals. To so. you said just for, just a short term for a couple of months or like move move. I think just a couple of months. Just okay. a couple of months to kind of go and you can't really learn too much as you know a week or two at a time. So I'd like to at least immerse myself for a few yeah. months. Yeah. Do you think something like that could turn? I mean, are you leaving yourself open to the possibility that that could turn into a? Uh, I think I want to stay here, or are you just you know enough about yourself that that wouldn't happen. Uh, I know enough about myself that it wouldn't happen. Just because yeah. like, my family's all over here. And, yeah. So interesting. We'll yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they need. I'm sure they need financial uh, advisors, people, planners. You know, they they need financial minds in Italy as well. I would guess that is true. I would have to learn a lot of different words than the basic. Uh, <laughs> where is the bathroom? And <laughs> it's not just all about grapes and pasta, yeah, fine, basically. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you have this website called Workable Wealth, where you specifically target Gen Yers, as you say. So. How did you get into the whole financial planning space in the first place? No, uh, I got into the industry. I, I fell into the industry. Um, growing up, my family actually had some, didn't just really didn't have a strong financial knowledge or background. So I was exposed to a lot of um, financial issues as I was growing up. And then when it came time for college, I was paying my own way through school. So student loans, had to have a job, all of that fun stuff. And right. I actually was, you know, I was always a business major. And then one of my, one of my first jobs was selling cell phones at the mall. Super fun. Uh, after that though, was a receptionist. How, how old, sorry to interrupt, but how old were you when you did that? When I was selling cell phones? I think yeah. I was 19. 19. Okay. Yeah. So fun. Yeah. Um, but Hey, it, first intro into sales. Um, so nice. that was exciting, but, um, I got my first job in the industry as a receptionist with a local financial planning firm in San Diego and um, kind of just started to see how they were working with clients and, you know, helping them, you know, people come in with all of their anxieties and all of these papers and accounts. And, you know, really, it's a stressful thing when you don't know how to keep yourself organized and keep yourself on track. So it was Definitely. interesting and inspiring to me to see how these guys I was working for helped to alleviate a lot of the stress in these people's lives. And they, you know, these people are typically 40, 50, 60 going towards retirement. But either way, I was just inspired by the fact that, oh my gosh, there's this world out there, um, this community that helps people and money doesn't have to be scary or stressful. Um, it doesn't need to control you. You can control it. Mm -hmm. So I switched my major there and uh, basically began to build my, you know, I've been in the industry for 11 years now and um, kind of built up from there. So it's been it's been really exciting. But my passion has always been even during that time, in helping to educate my peers on personal finance. So even while most of my the first you know nine ten years of my career was spent working with pre-retirees um, as a financial advisor, financial planner, it always came back to me wanting to work with people my age. And so, um, what made you? And, well, I mean, why do you think? What 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 made you want to do that? Why is that you think? Yeah, I think it was. When you're in college, you're exposed to, you know, lots of different credit card offers and different things. And sure. because I was, I was majoring specifically in personal finance at the time, I was getting this education during school about, you know, you how knew to not to take them. <laughs> I knew not to do things. Exactly. But I, I was watching as my friends did take them. And, you know, I was graduate when we graduated from college, um, my best friend and I and a group of a group of girls who wanted to go to Europe. And I had my budget in place. I knew how I was getting things done and had a plan. And my friends are over there trying to scrounge and, yep. you know, uh, 
ask their parents for money and these other things. So ultimately, it was just a matter of I always knew there was a lack of education there and that this Mm -hmm. age group was ignored. So and I saw a need just to kind of start from the basics, you know, money, especially in my industry, it gets very overcomplicated. There's so many fancy terms that are thrown around. And really just it goes down to like the numbers and understanding what your goals are. It's a combination, you know, the psychology behind it, but it's really just having some clear, a clear cut vision for yourself and then making the numbers work for you from there. So yeah. Um, it well, just kind what, of came back to that. What, what age group in particular? You said this, it's, it's a, you, you noticed that it was a struggle with this age group. So I, it was a passion of basically me. I've always kind of worked with my own age group. So the, the clients that I work with now are, they tend to be, I, I focus on Gen Y, but my clients ages are probably late twenties to early forties. That's okay. the, that's the bulk of what I work with. I didn't know if, if I would be considered in your age group. I'm 34, so yeah. I guess I'm right in the middle there. You are so. in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that is funny because um, I don't know what it is about money, but in particular, um, it seems like, I don't know, at least among me and uh, when I look at my friends and everything, our parents were very good at teaching us about a lot of things, but they didn't teach us about sex or money very well. So I don't, yep. know. I don't know why those two <laughs> topics just, I don't know. They just uh, avoided. avoided. But and, it, and what's also odd is that I look at my parents and a lot of my friends' parents, and they were all very good with their money. I mean, my parents didn't make a lot of money, um, but they never, you know, they never got themselves out of control into debt. They paid things off. They, you know, lived within their means, basically, is what I'm trying to say. That's what it boils down to. They they knew how to live within their means. And me and all of my friends and, and most of the people, my peers in this 30, early 30s, you know, group um, in the web industry, which is the industry I'm a part of, um, like we, we never learned that. And, and I don't, and it's, it's, you think that your parents, you kind of follow along what your parents do, at least in some ways. But it's always been interesting to me how they were so good at it, and I am so absolutely terrible at it. And um, yeah, I don't know. So I think it's I think it's I think it's great because you're right. I feel like I don't know if you get this. And tell me, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Tell me if this was part of your motivation. There aren't a lot of people doing what you do, and for for some of us who are you know who were born. Right at the end of the 70s, early 80s, that time frame, you know, the Dave Ramseys of the world um, just don't connect quite as well with 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 my with me anyway, I should say. And I'm guessing for other people like me, uh, it seems like um, connects a little better with uh, a little bit older people. And and I can't think of anyone else. I'm, I'm sure there are. I'm just not in the industry, but I can't. No one else pops to my head other than you who specifically is trying to focus on people in my age group, people like me. Yeah, there's, um, there are a few other people out there that are doing what I'm doing as well. Um, but that's, that is a big part of it is there's, um, some, some clients or or some people will go to their parents, financial advisors, but there's, um, the industry in general is the world is changing. A lot of things are online now. There's a lot of, um, you know, what used to be formal is now informal. So if a client has, if my client has the opportunity to meet with me online from the comfort of their living room and still get the financial coaching they need versus going into a, a 
older gentleman's office with a mahogany desk and sitting there like being shown fancy reports. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they're going to pick what makes them feel more comfortable because money is so uncomfortable as it is that you want to do whatever you can to just like, you know, wrap your arms around it. And, um, and so yeah. that is what I've seen is, you know, the Dave Ramsey's of the world, the Susie Orman's, all of that stuff. It's just, mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, it's a little bit played out and it's not, it's not as genuine or authentic because it's meant for the masses and people, these people still need, you know, like you, like people, nobody ever taught you and you can read your own books, but people still need that accountability. Um, people know what they need to do, but ultimately just like we need personal coaching and business coaching, yeah. we need financial coach, somebody who's going to check in with you and push you along because it's, it's, it's a hard thing and it's a hard road to stay on. So that's where what I've seen is there isn't a lot of that out there. There aren't a lot of people who are willing to take the time to coach people along on a month by month basis of yeah. this age group. I, I agree. I, I think uh, looking back over the last 15 years since, uh, you know, my early 20s, I think uh, if I could if I could go back and change anything or have had help, had a mentor in any area along the way, it would have been um, someone who uh, could teach me or and was smart with with money, because I look at that and see that as uh, at the root of many, many of the issues that I have today. And I guess you could take it further and say, well, I know that money specifically isn't the root, but it's, it's like I said, my parents somehow had that self-discipline that they could live within their means and they, they, they sacrificed to do that because they knew that was important. And I didn't get that gene, um, (laughs) when I was born and most of my friends didn't either like that idea of live within your means, you know, you don't just go out and, you know, get whatever you want and assume you'll you'll just figure it out later but it seems like almost everyone my age at least that I know that's what we do yeah you know? it's interesting to being a part of um you know after I launched workable wealth I got more into the online and entrepreneurship community as well so yeah from working with your everyday clients who have the steady 9 to 5 and the ongoing salaries um that's that's one thing and and that's kind of that's one part of what I do, but working with entrepreneurs and especially those in the online community, I think that's, um, it's more interesting to me to see how much debt they take on to launch their businesses and to yeah. take courses online and to constantly like invest in these personal and business development classes that they think will help them. Um, and I love them all. I think, um, what I see those people constantly throwing money at the issue as opposed to taking what they've invested in so far and really maximizing it for themselves. Yeah. So the entrepreneur side of things, um, there's this almost mentality that I've seen that it's okay if I take on debt because the business business is going to grow. Sure. Um, and so one of the things I have to encourage you hope. to do, yeah, <laughs> they help exactly. And so I have to encourage my clients to do is you have to cap the debt. Unfortunately, you know, what's, what's too much and what's, when are you going to say enough is enough and this isn't working? And yeah. what's, you know, if you're trying to launch a business and you're part of a, you know, two income household or whatever, you know, what's your time frame for getting it off the ground before you're going to, you know, have to go back to work or, or whatever it is. Yeah. That's, that's the issue. I think people don't have limits on what they're doing. And like you said, they just got and spend. So, and, um, I see it a lot, especially in the entrepreneur side of things. Do you think that, um, part of it is that the, the whole idea of, of financial planning, having someone in your life that's called a, fi- a financial planner who manages your money seems like something for, um, like wealthy people and actors and rich people and, you know, CEOs and that the average, I would consider myself like average middle class, you know, uh, family with a couple of kids and that kind of thing. It almost seems like that's not for me, you know, that that's not, you know, that 
those that that type of thing is not something people like me have. It, do you ever run into that? Do you think that's common? I don't think that's common. I think that the real issue, well, A, I think there's a lack of understanding of what a financial planner actually does. Uh, but B, I ultimately think it comes down to people don't really want to change. I mean, that's basically it. When you get a financial planner, when you dig into the numbers, you're going to see what the issue is. You're mm-hmm. going to see where the problem is. And then you're going to have somebody else on the, sitting on the other side of the table showing you and saying, well, here's what you need to do. And if you're not ready to take those steps, then you're basically you basically know that if the problem's been uncovered and then you either are living with that guilt of, you know, you're still, you know, the problem's exposed and you're still doing nothing about it. So a lot of people just prefer to stick their head in the sand. And that's yeah. a big, I think that's a big issue um, across the board for any age group and any, gen- and any generation. A lot of people just don't work with the financial planner because they don't want to be told that, oh, you're actually off track on your goals or you need to change your lifestyle. People don't want to do that. You're absolutely right. It's, I, I remember, um, well, I, I can just imagine even now, like opening up my bank account or my finances for someone else to see would probably be one of the most personal things um, or intimate things I could do. You know, oh, yeah. uh, there's so much stuff in there like I would not want anyone to know because that shows exactly where all my money goes. It shows exactly how many times I visit Starbucks, you know, exactly. And I wouldn't want I would feel embarrassed if people knew that. And I just realized that your job is a lot like a like a personal trainer, like a fitness trainer, you know, mm-hmm. like you've got to kind of force people, like push them beyond what they're comfortable with. And probably people show up, you know, to take the fitness analogy, you know, out of shape and ready to go and, and we're ready and roaring to change. And and then about a month later, it's just, you know, it's, it's cause it's hard work, you know, it just doesn't, um, maybe don't, they don't stick with it. And, and yeah, I, I, is, would you agree with that analogy? Like you're a lot like that. Like you have to be kind of uh, totally, very motivating, I, very pushing people all the time. It's exactly what I'm like. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a nice version of a personal trainer. I think, and, <laughs> you know, especially with money, people feel you know. It, it's I think it's there's definitely the psychology behind it as well. So um, that's why the way I package my my product or my my services is that I, my clients pay me a monthly retainer. Mm-hmm. So I break up my ongoing financial planning fee into that monthly fee because I want them to know that they're spending the money, they're going to get the check-in from me. And so they're spending the money, if they're not taking action, they're basically, they're wasting their money each month on that sort of sure. thing. So, um, What do you do I with people like that? Do you just, do you kind of fire them or do you just let them keep paying you and you just keep telling yeah. them every month that, hey, you know, nothing's going to change until you're ready to change kind of thing? People like who, who struggle to implement things, um, I continue to check in with them on the month to month basis. And what I try to do, I try different things. It's the conversation of the why is it not happening? I definitely don't want to enable and I let them know I'm not going to enable them. Um, And then I basically just try breaking it down into different steps and different things they can do. So if one step seems too big for them, well, what's a smaller step we can do to get them moving forward? So my main goal is for them to see progress in their financial lives in one way or another. So I want them to feel good about the steps they're making forward. Because if you consistently feel bad and feel guilty, you know, that's not going to do especially with money negativity doesn't really makes people shut down even more. So I try to get them moving, you know, one small step at a time and then, you know, celebrating those wins and, and encouraging them along the way. That's more of how I work with clients. Um, but I'm definitely not afraid to tell them, Hey, this is like, we do the initial, you know, financial plan that you have, you know, X amount of debt and this is not good. So you're yeah. not going to any of your goals until you get this under control. So I'm very blunt in the plan delivery, but through the coaching through, um, 
that that plan usually kind of sparks something. And so we just we would just break it down and try different things to get them moving forward. I yeah. haven't had anybody who has just basically shut down and not responded and continued to pay. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I, most, almost all my clients, if they're paying for the financial plan, they want the financial plan implemented and, um, or, and, you know, and definitely take advantage of the services. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess it's one of those things where, like you said, when you, uh, f- for someone like you to be helpful, you have to be ready and, and, or at least willing to, yeah. to change something. Exactly. And, and accept that it's not going to be easy and you might have to not go to Starbucks four times a day. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, it's a Starbucks or, you know, it's really, it's the dining out expenses for our age group. It's dining out, it's uh, travel. Entertainment and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Those are the things. And, you know, and so there's just going to be a health. And, and, you know, some of the things I've seen too is, you know, I had a, um, I have some clients who spend like a lot of money on car loans and those sort of things. And yeah. it's understanding, you know, what they're, what's the norm, what is okay for your situation, what's, you know, those sort of things. So yeah. um, it's, it's, I've seen a lot of different things. Yeah, <laughs> you can say that. for sure. Well, I would, I would love to turn this into a free hour of financial consulting for myself, <laughs> but <laughs> Open it up to all your listeners. I'm not going to do that because, uh, I don't think, uh, you would have uh, agreed, um, to come on the show if you'd known that's what it was going to be. So, <laughs> so for example, you, you said that you worked in the industry for 11 years and then you decided to, uh, kind of strike out on your own. What, what was that story? What made you want to do that? And, um, um, you know, what was standing in your way? What, what was that whole, just tell me that whole story right there. So, you know, I, I, the financial planning industry in general is an old boys club of an industry. So, yeah. um, growing up in it is basically, I basically grew up in it. And so I, I did some career climbing and some ladder climbing and changing around things. Um, your parents but- were in it? No, no, I grew up in it basically myself. I kind of explained that I grew up in it like my 19 to 30. That's my, my career. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, I started off as a receptionist with this financial planning for Mountain San Diego. Quickly learned that I was kind of capped there. Um, I worked with a bunch of men who, um, you know, kind of wouldn't advance me, wouldn't give me the income that I was looking for after college graduation. So mm-hmm. I learned at an early age that nobody is going to look out for me like I look out for me. Right. So I hopped around. I moved to some, some different firms, moved back to L.A., back to San Diego when I met my husband. And, you know, just recently, you know, most recently before launching Workable Wealth, I was director of financial planning for a firm out here in San Diego. And ultimately, my career was spent working with um, older people. I was constantly referred to as kiddo. I was looked at as an <laughs> assistant. Uh, and, yeah. you know, and I'm helping people with millions of dollars. But, you know, being a young woman in this industry of basically predominantly older white gentlemen, um, it just I really was a minority. And and unfortunately, you're treated like a minority in this yeah. industry. And so that was one of the things early on where I was kind of like, oh, I just and I wasn't extremely passionate about helping people who already had money mm-hmm. manage their money. Um, I was good at it, really good at helping people get organized. But ultimately, I'm like, if you already have your millions of dollars, you know, there's so many people out there helping them already. But what about the people who don't and the people who are our age, like what we were just talking about, who don't have that advice and who need it? Yeah. Um, so it was always this passion of mine. And basically, uh, when I moved back to San Diego, I think it was 2010, I moved back down here. And I just started doing some research and reaching out to people and talking to other people who are my age who had launched their own businesses. And I stumbled across some other people online who had 
launched their, who were my age group, launched their own practices and really were their, they were their brands. And I thought it was so cool to see these people, you know, they have these fun websites, they are talking about finances in this, you know, energetic and positive way and making it super easy. So I kind of, you know, did a lot of internet like stalking for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we all do. Or that's my research, my research phase. And um, so I this was when you were working uh, for the firm that the, the, the thought had been planted in your head. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, I want to maybe work for myself. And you started researching, but you were still working for the firm at this point. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was still working for them. And um, I had known for a little bit, like I had known always what my passion was. Um, I was actually just very terrified of launching my own business, especially as a financial planner, because I deal with people's money. And I grew up in a house where we didn't necessarily have tons of money. And yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to, you know, I've climbed this career ladder. I've got this great income getting, you know, I have, I, there's a great, like, you know, I could have had a lot more growth at the firm that I was in. Um, I was on a great track, but I just wasn't happy. And, but I was terrified of giving up the income and, oh, my gosh, what if I fail? Um, so, yeah, so, I was going to ask you what, what terrified you about it. And you, you just said it, it was, it was because what if you fail and, um, the other yeah. thing? Yeah, <laughs> you said okay, something else. Yeah. I missed it. Sorry. Up the, you give up the income, the steady income, the scary. Yeah. And what if I fail? That was, those were basically, it takes a lot to put, you're putting yourself out there. And so. Well, um, you also said you'd always, you, you said, I've always known what my passion was, um, meaning, you know, what you're doing now, I'm guessing. When yep. you say you always knew that, do you mean that even from college, early age, you knew that someday you wanted to do something like you're doing now, but just through all those years, um, um, you just, you were scared to do it or didn't know yeah. how or whatever. Oh yeah, exactly. So even when I, when I was living in LA after college, um, another, you know, working for another great firm up there, I was associate portfolio manager for this firm. So working with clients, doing a lot of great stuff, learning, but I had a, a blog of, a blog called Fabulous and Financially Savvy under an alias. It was very, <laughs> nice. very 20 somethings like yeah. Sex and the City. Um, but it was under an alias and it's not long, it no longer exists. But I basically would blog to educate other 20 somethings about personal finances. And so even then, this was, you know, five, six years ago now when I was doing, I was doing that and I knew, and I loved it. I loved being able to write and be creative and make finances fun for this age group. So even then I was dipping my toe in the water and trying to figure things out, but yeah. couldn't, you know, it didn't really know my path at that time. So I had known for, for quite a while that of what I wanted to do, I just couldn't figure out how to make it work. And I was, um, I was just really nervous about it. So, so where do you think that entrepreneurial, I'm always interested in this. Where do you think that entrepreneurial bug, you know, came from because I have friends who they just work jobs and that's 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 their greatest aspiration they and there's nothing wrong with that but that's just all they, they've the thought of working for themselves and bringing in their own money has just never come into their head and there's other people like us who it's just always been there um was there an experience or some sort of moment where you realized you could do this or like wh why have you always known that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and work for yourself and run your own business basically you know, I don't know if it was necessary. I wanted my own thing. I never really had like tied it into like entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I knew I think once after like college and I was in the industry, I was like, oh, 
shoot, I'm gonna have to do my own thing. Nobody's just gonna pay me to be me. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless it's clients, basically. That is entrepreneurship. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think I've always just had that creative bug in me. And even though I love numbers, I love the financial planning, I've just always loved to create things and to write and to um, share messages with others. And so I I think it just it, I think it is something that I kind of was just born with. Yeah. Uh, I love just there's all there's so many creative things that I love doing, whether it's, you know, even arts and crafts, I think it started out as and then being able to design my own website. So I think the the big thing that really lit the fire under me um, was when I was here and I found I stumbled across the other websites of people who were doing what I was doing. That gave me like a surge of like, aha, like this is this exists and people are successful doing it. Um, so I wasn't like the first one venturing into like making, you know, finances super fun and exciting. Right. And then also, I, you know, I can't remember if I was listening to a book on tape or um, a podcast, but, and I'd heard it before, but it was basically, you know, the message of, I, I put it together. I connected the dots directly to, if I stay in this firm, this person is always going to be responsible for determining what my paycheck is. I am never going to be responsible for determining yeah. my own worth. Um, and that like flipped a switch for me. Like, I don't want to be dependent on somebody else for my income who I don't yeah. want somebody else determining what my worth is. And then after that, it kind of, everything just set the set in motion. So it was, it was just that I'd always known it, but there was something that just clicked when I direct, I, I kind of like attached it specifically to this group of people. And I was just like, ah, I don't want, you know, I never want somebody else telling me what I am and am not worth. Yeah. Um, so after that, it was just kind of entrepreneurship or bust. Yeah. So. <laughs> I know the feeling. Yeah. So, um, what, uh, I think you expressed something that I know I feel, I think a lot of people feel, and that is that fear of failure. What if it doesn't work? Um, what happens if, you know, um, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm, I mean, it's just scary. You know, um, I might not have any money and especially if you have a family and whatever, you know, how did you overcome that specifically? How did you go from, you know, that point of, of being too afraid to just jump out and do it to actually doing it? And, and, and what did you do? Did you just quit and, and start looking for clients or did you put a strategy together and save up three months of income? Like, so that's two questions, really. How did you overcome that fear that you had? And and then how did you decide to actually go about starting your business? So a couple of things kind of it was it's it, a couple of things just happened to like basically make it fall into place. Um, my husband was in the, active in the military at the time. He's now in the reserves, um, was on deployment in March of last year, March of, March of 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time with the firm that I was at, they were encouraging me down a career path and a partnership that I was not a fan of. Um, so as they were pushing me down this road, I was becoming more and more resistant. And, my, and I, was basically, I was here, by, I was in San Diego by myself. Um, and my husband was on a sh- ship in the middle of the ocean. And yeah. so I'm emailing him. Trying, you know, we had been talking about it, but it was kind of like emailing back and forth, like, are we ready for me to do this? And so it was actually kind of a good thing that I, because I'm very much in my own head a lot. And so with him not being here, I was able yeah. to make the call, like, are we ready for me to do this, to make this jump? And I got an email back from him saying, yes, do it. So March of last year, I... Um, I set the wheels in motion. So we actually had been, we had been saving already. So I knew as a financial planner, hopefully I had been saving already. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. we had a cushion, you know, if we had a cushion in case I went in to like give notice and they like cut me, we were okay. I didn't really have a plan in place at that point in time. Yeah. But um, what happened was in the coming months, I went in and um, gave notice to my employer and 
it was actually because Workable Wealth is not competing with them, I was actually able to phase out over a six month period with them. So I went to, I went as I launched, I launched Workable Wealth in August of last year. So I was able to stay on while I basically hustled my butt off in the background, creating the business, getting registered, doing all the marketing and web design, all of that stuff. And then when the website went live in August, um, I reduced my time even more with them to focus on marketing and branding. And then it wasn't until January yeah. of this year that I actually cut the ties completely and Workable Wealth went full time. So, well, that's amazing. That's a, that's actually a really awesome opportunity. You know, a lot of people don't have that, I think. So um, you were able to kind of just almost like taper off uh, your medication. You're able to taper off your yeah. job, you know, until you were able to, you know, go without it and you didn't have to just, you know, figure out, you know, you walk in and you're laid off, or you're fired or something. And just exactly. what am I going to do right now? So, um, yeah. So, and it was, I was able to basically the, the issue that I had had at hand, I was able to get out of, get out of that immediately. So there was something, there was a path they wanted me to go down that I didn't want to go down. And so it took me basically saying, well, I'll leave completely or, or we can make it work this way. So, yeah. um, I had that benefit and it, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed the company I worked at and they, and I was a valuable employee for them as well at the time. So, um, it was, it was a good relate. It was a healthy relationship aside from that. So they were supportive and I was supportive to not leave them in a bind as well. So I, I was lucky sure. to have that taper off. But um, my strategy basically started in March. I basically I, I hired a personal coach immediately. So um, that's the one thing I could say. I know it's it's I didn't spend tons of money on it either. So, you know, there's lots of coaches who we automatically go in debt spending this money. Um, I hired a personal coach, though, and I made sure that I was held accountable each week to getting something done on my business plan mm -hmm. to creating the business plan. So that mm -hmm. was very helpful. Um, a lot of people like quit and then try to figure it, figure it out on their own. So no matter what, I think having the accountability partner in place is key and probably not even as your spouse can help you, but that's just, I feel like too close. So having an sure. outsider was very helpful, um, in helping me to keep myself organized. And I worked with her up until like also January of this year and getting things, um, moving forward and helping to celebrate wins along the way. So, um, through that and then just kind of reaching out, I was, I was very, you know, most financial planning firms have office space, have these fancy offices and all these materials and softwares and all of these things. I launched Workable Wealth um, for under $10,000 last year. And it was, as a financial planning firm, we have tons of compliance and other things we have to pay for, which is sure. where the money went to. So being able to operate out of my home, have a website designed, be able to meet with clients via Skype and Google Hangouts and all that fun stuff has been really fun. And it's it's so cool to be able to tell other financial planners, you know, that I work from home and I only, you know, my business cast me $10,000 to run a year and right. they're jealous. People are jealous. <laughs> and I I'm think sure. it's great. So, um, it, but yeah, it took a lot of kind of like, you know, scraping things together. Um, but having an accountability partner was huge as, as part of that process. Well, like uh, part of what I asked you before is, um, and I think some of what you said addressed it, as I said, how, how did you overcome kind of the, the, the fear, what you'd been scared of all that time. And it sounds like part of your answer was um, you, you had a plan and you weren't forced to basically, it wasn't like you were fired or laid, laid off and you were forced to immediately find a way to replace your income. You were able to, um, you know, take as long as you needed really to uh, put the plan together and, and verify kind of that it was going to work. Yeah, so I would say um, what forced me to overcome my fear, it wasn't that because when I went in to tell the company that I was starting my own business, I was prepared to leave that day actually when I went in. Yeah. Um, what 
forced me to overcome the fear was the fact that they were pressuring me to go down this road that I didn't want to go down. Um, and I basically just saw myself being incredibly unhappy. Hmm. So with that, as the stress levels were mounting and I saw this, I was faced to go down this road that, um, I really didn't want to go down. Um, it was basically like, that was where it was kind of like entrepreneurship or bust for me. It was right. like, do this or you're going to be unhappy. And it, the, you were faced with something that you were more afraid of basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. Was yeah. I just, I couldn't continue on that road. And so that basically helped me basically me, I just got started. And so I don't think the, I don't think the fear necessarily ever actually goes away though as an entrepreneur. No. So I would never say that I'm completely fearless at this point in time. Um, no, I don't think it does, but there, yeah. there is something about the starting, you know, a lot of us who are creative people and even though you're in financial planning, which people might assume it's just, you know, a lot of numbers and math and stuff. I mean, I can tell by listening to this that you're a very creative person. I think a lot of creative people struggle with that, uh, you know, standing on the, the dock and just, you know, um, be not being able to see what's what's underneath the water. And it's just it's just so um, uh, debilitating, you know, and you don't know. And so you just uh, you're not sure if it's going to work. You're not sure if it's going to fail. You don't want to fail. And so you just stand there and just keep doing what you're doing because that's the easiest thing to do. Oh, exactly. And, you know, one of the biggest things that um, that kind of was like an aha moment for me, I was sitting at my my husband was deployed. I was kind of sitting I was sitting at my desk at my office one day and I was texting my best friend about how I wanted to do this. And I was just unsure. And she sent me a message back saying, you're never going to fail. And what's the worst case scenario? Say you do this, you launch and it doesn't work. You get another job in a year from now. Yeah. And that's the worst case for all of us. If it doesn't work, we go back. We can all find jobs doing Get another something. job, yeah. And so um, yeah. that was that was really, that was it. I mean, so that was like worst case, I'm back in a job in the next year. And so that was kind of like, well, what the heck am I catastrophizing then? You know, like I we had a bit of a savings cushion. Yeah, it was going to be a lifestyle change, obviously, when you give up an income. Um, but those little comments and little pieces that kind of fell into place really helped to alleviate some of that paralyzing fear that can be there. Yeah, I, I can completely identify with that. Um, you know, some I, I have found that a lot of times asking myself that question and, and writing down what is the worst case scenario um, tends to alleviate fear because, you know, we build it up in our minds. Like if we fail, it's basically going to be Armageddon or something and we're all going <laughs> to die and everything's just going to fall apart. And really, you know, <laughs> I mean, as you said, if it fails, Okay, maybe you 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 rack up a little bit of debt that you didn't want to while you try to find another job, but you just go get another job and you go back to doing what you were doing. I mean, it's not, you know, none of us are going to end up on the street basically, you know, <laughs> exactly. um, if this fails, and yet somehow it feels that way. Anyway, um, um, <laughs> yeah, right over there. Uh, yeah, I just told I, uh, I I I lost my whole train of thought by talking about myself instead of asking you a question. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. um, so anyway, it sounds it sounds like your friend really helped you out there. Oh yeah. So those were I mean those were just basically my friend's advice. She sent me the text message, which I still have saved to this day, um, because I thought it was just such an it was such an inspirational kind of just um, kind of little paragraph she sent me there. And getting that message combined with um, my husband not being here at that point in time, combined with you know trying to basically create happiness for myself during that period while I was alone, and this job that I was like you know, pay the bills would, you know, be great income wise. 
um, but was forcing me down a different path. It was just all of these scenes kind of like came together and all signs pointed to, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Just do it. Um, and right. that, and those are really what helped me overcome the fear was I just was faced with this, uh, with this other thing that I just so badly didn't want to do that this fear that launching my own business was way better than, yeah. than doing that. And, uh, and so I just got, I just got started and that's the, that was the big thing was just getting started. I think that's what prevents us is there's a starting a business is scary. Cause you're like, what am I doing? Website marketing business plan? How am I going to make an, there's so many questions to answer and boxes to check that that's yeah. just a daunting thing. So um, the good thing was that me as a financial planner, I had experience breaking down steps for clients. And so I, that's why I took the business plan and like broke it down into steps for myself and kind of just did one step at a time, tried to get something down, done every day. Um, and then just worked from there. And so yeah. that's the thing is, is we tend to just project like, Oh my, I'm going to start a business. Well, that that's great. But you really need to like dig down more and start laying things out for yourself. And seeing those broken down made it less scary. Yeah, you know, seeing little steps to accomplish, and then when you see progress, like I'll never forget when I got my uh, my paperwork in the mail that I was a corporate that was I'm an um, an LLC, so I was super yeah. excited. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm a business owner, and like there's nothing to my you know there's nothing to it, just like that piece of paper, and I was like sending pictures of it to my friends and family, like <laughs> you know, like that was a big yeah. celebration. And That's really fun until support. your first uh, tax season, basically, <laughs> and then you're like, what did I do? Yeah, especially <laughs> so. in California. Yeah. So, um, well, so, I mean, your business, though, I mean, you, you work with clients. So how did you go about um, getting your first clients, your first uh, customers, basically? So um, I'm so being online, uh, I use social media a lot. So a lot of my marketing is done online. I've had the benefit of getting quoted in a lot of different media places. Um, I'm on the news out here in San Diego, probably at least once a month. So there's the online experience that brings me clients. And then there's also, you know, when I first launched, it was, it was word of mouth in like the Facebook posts and the sharing of what I was doing. So when the website mm-hmm. went live, it had three blog posts already ready with content. And I had started spreading the news uh, to friends and family. And so word of mouth basically is what got me my first clients at first. And then um, the media stuff is what started to bring in stuff on the back end. So, um, but just kind of sharing, sharing organically on Facebook and, and telling friends and family. My very first client actually came from a referral from another financial advisor who I had right. told what I was doing. So yeah. which was really neat, you know, which is actually good marketing for me because I work with so many clients who aren't qualified to work with these, you know, other aren't, you know, of the same, you know, don't, they don't have tons of money. So um, if sure. another financial advisor comes across somebody like that, they know about me and they'll send them my way. So that's yeah. actually been really great as part of my marketing. So that was that was helpful. But um, a lot of it then is is being really active on social media. Twitter is fantastic, and I've been very targeted with what I do there in terms of reaching out to other people in my industry. So yeah. I connect with reporters and um, editors and magazines and publications and such. And basically. I stand on my position of I'm a financial planner for Gen Y. So I'm not just a financial planner. I'm not talking about like generic topics. I talk specifically and tweet and write specifically about Gen Y uh, money issues. And so when they need an expert or when they want to profile somebody who works with Gen Y or any of these millennial related topics, they then come to me. So well, I'm yeah, and targeted. That's why I said I don't um, I'm not in the industry. So I know that there's got to be more than just you. But it doesn't. I, am I wrong in assuming that there's not a ton of people that are focused exactly on the same uh, audience that you are? Yeah, you're no, you're not wrong at all. I think there's probably like 
10 of us across right. the country. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty minimal, especially, um, I could, I can name maybe a handful of people who have similar practices and model mm-hmm. business models to mine as well. It's yeah. not, it's, um, it's definitely newer and it's, and it's <clears throat> something more popular, but, um, yeah, not, not too many yeah. people. Well, so the interesting thing is that you 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 work with clients, and yet um, you know a lot of the people you mentioned, and and a lot of the uh, other guests on the show, and the and the people listening to this, um, some of them do client work, some of them want to teach and make products, and you know make money from uh, their knowledge, and mm-hmm. and you kind of have a blend of that because your website, Workable Wealth, you know, it's clear that you. Um, you're writing and you're building an audience there with your free resources and your blog and all that sort of stuff and speaking even and consulting. And I'm just looking at your, your website right now, all these things you do. Um, is it always going to be, um, and maybe you don't know, but is it, uh, has it always been client focused for you, customer focused, or do you ever see, is, is there an end game or do you ever see a point where, um, you know, you, you might, take a step back and not work as directly with people and, and instead of more one-to-one more one-to-many, like by, by creating a product or, you know, teaching what you know that in a, in a course or a book or something that people could buy. Yeah. So, uh, well, workable wealth in general launching, you know, I am my brand, I am the brand, my face is, you know, huge, huge on the website, as you can see, (laughs) it hits you right in the face. Um, so I, and launching, I, my intention has always been to get paid for writing, speaking and financial planning. So, um, as of right now, I am paid writer and I am also a paid spokesperson for a company, um, in addition to the financial planning that I'm doing. So my intention, I always want to keep part of my practice client facing. I don't plan to grow into like a, you know, million client company. I think I'll cap it at a certain level over the next few years of clients and then continue to grow my speaking and my writing and all of that. And I actually do have a course that's launching. Um, the newlywed money bootcamp is probably one of the tabs on there that you can see it's, it's not like super prevalent right now. Um, but the newlywed money bootcamp is a product and is a course for newlyweds to go through for $300, you can go through and get a six-module six course that basically coaches you through communicating on your finances, setting up the household budget, all of that stuff. You um, said that, that is launching or that has that, already launched? It has, it has launched. It's, oh, okay. it's there right there. So um, it just launched a couple of weeks ago, actually. So okay. That's how, how has of, that been going? It's been going good. It's been really interesting. Um, I, it's basically one of those that I'm creating. I launched it and then I'm creating it as I go. So I didn't mm, have all the content mm-hmm. done. So it's one of sure. those. So very time consuming, but um, it's been really interesting to see uh, the feedback and um, to kind of learn learn throughout the process too. And so my launching this has kind of been um, a way for me to get all the content organized for me. And then um, my hope is to probably turn the content into a book at some point in time. So there's lots of um, there's lots of ideas in the works for me to continue to get generate like some passive income from the practice as well. Sure. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, And focusing on newlyweds is great, too, because newlyweds are particularly in need of some guidance here, I would say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. And they're they're the ones who call me and and really can't afford the financial planning advice. And so Mm -hmm. creating a course um, that targets them that's affordable and it's something they can go through together at their own pace uh, was an idea of mine. You know, even like at the end of last year was one of my ideas because I saw that, uh, especially with like, you know, a lot of my friends getting married, just that age group, getting married or having kids. So um, the goal is to eventually do a new parent boot camp also. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So, um, there's lots in the works, but I do see, I see myself capping to answer your question, capping on the client side and continuing to grow, um, income from the writing and the speaking and other kind of, 
product, I guess, related type things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and that's because it allows me to create and be different as well. I really love the coaching and seeing the success from individual clients also. Um, but I am only one person and I don't see myself wanting to run this huge company. Yeah. So, well, you've, you've definitely done something that a lot of us, a lot of people aspire to do. You know, you had a corporate job, you worked for someone else, you wanted to work for yourself. And, and as you said, you know, sort of be um, in charge of your own destiny, sort of, and uh, and you did it, and you made the leap, and it's it's been working. You know, no one has died in the process, <laughs> so um, I'm assuming you're 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 glad you did it now, uh, but you're uh, but you've done it, and so I mean, is it what you is it what you thought it would be? It's uh, much more of a roller coaster than I thought it would be, but I am so happy. So, so, so happy. I love that I have complete control over my schedule, that I can meet with a client and then go to the gym and then come back and meet, meet with a client. You know, I just love having the flexibility to be creative, to make numbers fun. I, I wouldn't change anything. So I did it. Um, it was definitely, it is more of a roller coaster than I think I was prepared for. Um, like in what way? It's just like the ups and downs, you know, like I remember. I remember when I first launched my newsletter and you get those unsubscribes and you're like, Oh, ouch, oh, you know. know, like people don't <laughs> like me and not. And now I'm, now I'm just like, eh, you know, like now, know. You know, so you, you kind of build up tough skin with those first like few days, you like take everything, you take everything to heart originally. And then, you know, I remember talking to other people who had launched their businesses. Like when your friends and family aren't as excited about it as you are, you kind of feel like a little deflated because you yeah. think this is so cool. Um, so you, you end up like you, you're a little bit more sensitive in the beginning, but then after the fact, you realize, you know what, like that still the more like staying the course, staying the course and continuing to put myself out there. And basically people need to know that you're going to be around for a while when you're launching these things. So yeah. it's been cool. Like now, um, over a year into it, I'm seeing all of that consistency pay off and, and I've built a tougher skin. If you're not excited for me, you're not my market, you know, so yeah. it's okay. Um, and, and it's just, and those are the things that you're not, I'm not prepared. I wasn't prepared for like, Oh my God, these swings and feeling excited, you know, when I got yep. quoted in something to like, Oh, I got an unsubscribe and you Definitely. take it a little more personally in the beginning. Yeah. Well, what does a typical day look like for you? I think some people have this idea in their head of, Oh man, if I just could work for myself and I could, uh, you know, sleep in and just stay in my pajamas all day and, you know, or, or, or maybe they have a particular skill, uh, whatever it is. Um, maybe they play the guitar or something. You think I could just sit there all day and do that. And there's so much more that goes into being an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur than that. And so for you and your particular business, what, what does your typical day look like? Okay. So there's probably, I have two typical days. I have a typical, uh, like just like work from home, which it's not the pajamas, it's the workout clothes that go, <laughs> go yeah. on for the day. Um, so I'm usually probably up now by about up and at my computer by seven 30, um, doing emails to kind of just like catching up on the day, or catching up from like things that are from the night before and reviewing my calendar for the day. Um, and then for me, it's, it's a combination. My days usually consist of interviews with reporters for articles uh, preparing for client meetings. So, um, everything I do is online. So clients submit all of their financial information to me online. Right. So going through questionnaires, uh, running through those numbers, writing blog posts, uh, uh, reaching out to my content manager. It's usually just like a schedule of those things. that's kind of on rotation throughout the day. And then I have consultation calls and client meetings. And so my, yeah. everything, you know, and whether or not I am 
meeting somebody, I have San Diego clients also. So if I'm meeting them face to face or going to like a presentation, then that requires me putting on full, you know, dress and makeup. And, yeah. then, and then if it's I'm at home and meeting with a client via Google Hangouts, then I'll still sometimes do my makeup. But that's yeah. like, you know, as a female, <laughs> those are the things I have to be worried about. Men get to just like do whatever. Right. So, we don't have to prepare um, at all. Yeah. No, yeah. You guys have to show up. So <laughs> We um, don't have to shave anymore. Now the beards I mean, are in style. It's so. so true. So true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'd say, you know, my days usually consist of, you know, those are the things I get done. But, in be, you know, I get a lot done. My days start at seven and they and I will work until midnight. But wow. the thing is, during that, though, I'm going to get a workout in probably around like 11 to 12 or 2 to 3. I'm going to squeeze in a workout mm-hmm. um, or I'm going to go run to the store. So I'm, I'm constantly there. I don't ever turn off. Really, you know, there's days I'll, t- I'll have a whole day off. You know, I'll take a day where I won't do anything. But typically, I'm constantly getting work done, but I'm living my life in between. And that's mm-hmm. the benefit. And the benefit is that I can be on the road. I can go visit my parents in LA. I can go to Palm Springs. I can go, I was in Florida all of last week. I can check on things from wherever I am. And yeah. that is the great part about working for myself and having just a smaller practice. Um, but I'm constantly getting work done. So yeah. it's, you know, the day-to-day stuff. And so I would never say that it's just like a PJs and you get to hang out type thing. Like being an entrepreneur includes so much more accountability and so much more work than you're used to. Yeah, um, definitely. It's not an easy road. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I don't, and that's what, that's why I ask Cause I, 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 I don't think a lot of people realize just how, um, there's so many different hats you have to wear and it's not, it's not just getting to do the thing you enjoy doing all day long every day. Exactly. You, know, you have to actually run the business. <laughs> Which, exactly. Yeah. There's. You really have to be conscious of working in the business or on the business, and um, it's it's really important. And it's it's sometimes it's hard to distinguish. So, and then you have to take. You really have to take care of yourself too. I mean, making the transition from working in an office with twenty people to working by myself. You know, I'm in a bunch of master. I'm in a couple mastermind groups now, and those are you know when I meet every other week and we have a two hour hangout and it's like my that's kind of like my office talk slash you know right. you know getting bouncing ideas off of people so you have to be really you can be turned into a hermit when you work from home you, so can. you have to be really aware of you know very easily out you can self um, do some things yeah definitely what would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever received in this journey uh, when I went to a conference last year, I believe I was listening to a speaker and she said, walk through whatever doors open for you. And that has been advice that I have taken to heart. And I have walked through whatever doors open for me with the knowledge that I can walk back out if it's not for me. But I have come across some amazing opportunities um, that I never would have imagined since launching because I took advantage of the doors that are opening. So don't don't be afraid to to try things. Exactly. Yeah. That's great. So if you could, this gets into some of that fear and failure stuff, but if, if you, if you could start all over, you know, go back to, to 19, you said was when you said, uh, you started growing up, if you could start all over, would you do anything differently? Ooh, I could start all over if I do anything differently. And, I... and maybe it doesn't have to go back as far as that. Maybe just, maybe just with your business, this is so new. Maybe if you could just go back to when you started workable wealth, maybe let's contain it to that. Would you do anything differently related to that? You know, so I think this, so I'm just doing my 2015 business planning right now. And, um, as much success and as much as I've done in workable wealth since, you know, it's been a little bit over a year since I've launched and a lot has happened. I've taken on a lot. Um, I think if I were to do anything differently, I would go back um, to the beginning of Workable Wealth and make sure that I really had some detailed systems and procedures in place. Um, as of right now, I'm running it on my own. And it, 
I don't have my systems documented, so I need to now invest more time to doing that, which I will be in 2015. Mm -hmm. But it makes it hard for me to scale and to bring on other employees. So um, I'd say if I could do anything differently, it would be to take the time to document how I see things working out um, and flowing through from the beginning. Yeah. And that's more than just like, because obviously you said you you started out, you started planning, you got a coach, you know, obviously you had a business plan, you had, you know, you didn't just wing it, but you're saying you'd go even further than you did and into even more planning um, than, than what you did do. I would take I would have taken some time this past year to have my system like yeah the day to day type stuff like the client the client work that I now want to like have somebody else help with and bring on an mm-hmm. assistant for some of these things I would have taken the time in the beginning to kind of see yeah to kind of lay out some of the day to day stuff that needs to get done um, because yeah. now I need to go back and basically create these documents and files to train somebody else so yeah. I think I should have done that probably a little bit earlier on and I. I you know, I jumped right into the marketing because obviously as business owners, we want to start seeing the revenue, which sure. is good. But I, I would have committed some more time to that in the beginning. Cool. All right. Well, what would you say is the number one personal habit or practice that you have that you think has contributed to your success? Uh, I would say consistently putting myself out there. I consistently reach out to other people to connect in a genuine, authentic way. Um, and I'm I try to continuously be encouraging of other people. So I think that's that's one of the big things that's worked for me is just not being afraid to say, hey, here's who I am, here's what I'm doing, um, and ha- here's how I think I can help your audience, obviously. Not like not the generic, like, love what you're doing, can I you know, <laughs> yeah. get in front of your audience type thing. Yeah. But uh, genuinely wanting to be of value for other people. Um, yeah. Stuff out there that way I think has been very helpful. I think that that is um... – I would say that would be my number one thing too, because everything changes when you stop being afraid of what people are going to think of you and if you're going to fail and you just try it, you know, I mean, how many times have, uh, maybe this isn't true for you, but for me, so many times I've had ideas for things and I was too afraid of whatever failure or whatever to do it. And then a year later I see, oh, someone else did that and and it's been super successful, you know, if I'd only acted on that idea at that time, you know, exactly. and, and so you miss so many opportunities by just thinking, by being held back by, you know, it's going to fail or people aren't going to like me or whatever, you know. Exactly. If you could give a piece of advice to someone who's just starting out, someone who um, is trying to make this transition into entrepreneurship and maybe struggling with uh, what the next step is or, or how to get the ball rolling or, you know, maybe where you were afraid that they, you know, what if it fails? What if they lose their income? You know, uh, if you could give a piece of advice to that person, what would you say? There's, uh, <laughs> I think the biggest advice that I could give to anybody, um, there's two things. Get an accountability partner. That's going to help you tons, whether you're participating in a mastermind group, whether you're hiring a business coach. Try not to pay to be a part of a mastermind group from the beginning. I think finding some organic people who are going to help to hold you accountable that you don't mm-hmm. have to pay for is probably um, a really good way to go about it. And also, um, don't compare. You know, one of the things we do a lot, especially being in the online world, especially like, you know, with um, all these successful entrepreneurs out there, is we compare a lot and we um, yeah. get down. We think that we should have all of these things done immediately. And the thing is, it takes time and effort to get there. And we can't jump the gun. So just know that you are on your own journey and your own path and that you will get there by hopefully having an accountability partner to hold you accountable to getting there. But I think um, 
you know, comparing, I think it's one of the biggest things that holds us back and that I see a lot of people do in their personal finances and just like as entrepreneurs, we do that a lot. So I'd say those, those two big things is try just to stick to your own journey and your own dreams and goals. Um, don't look to everybody else and what they're doing. And then also getting yourself a partner along the way to, to keep you on track is good. Yeah. Both of those things are, oh man, it's so true. I mean, I can't even, I, I can just completely relate with those things. And I want to ask a follow-up question about the, the accountability partner and the mastermind and stuff, because I've had a lot of people say that, that, you know, get into a mastermind group, get an accountability partner, get a coach, you know, whatever, like that, that type of relationship is very important. Um, and when, when I hear that advice, what I immediately do is I reach out to all of my heroes, basically, you know, all the yeah. um, all the people that are already successful doing this that I look up to and who already are charging, you know, thousands of dollars an hour for coaching or whatever. And they, they clearly do not have the time to, you know, um, and, and so I don't know where to go. It's like, um, uh, you know, and so you said do that, but don't try to pay for, you know, try to make it organic. So what can someone, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a follow-up piece of advice you could give, you know, if your natural inclination is to want to go to all the the heroes you have in your industry, and and they clearly aren't going to be the people that are going to be able to be this accountability partner for you. Like, where could people find someone like this or a group or a mastermind, you know, especially if they're new to, if they're diving into a new industry? I think one of the biggest things is for, for masterminds and for personal coaches, you know, a personal coach, it doesn't have to be one of those. I think we, we look to these people who we want to emulate, but ultimately you already know what they do. All of their resources are there online. So a business coach, yeah. you can, you can basically find a local one for yourself. And when I hired my, my business coach or my personal coach, we actually did a trade. I helped her with her financial planning and she helped me with my business planning. So, you know, whatever your services that you're looking to offer, I would look to do trades, especially with like other coaches who likely need help with their websites. With That's their a great idea. Yeah. Um, so offering to do that to then, you know, getting yourself an accountability partner is huge. And you already know what other people are doing out there. So basically talking to your coach, sharing the information with them. And that if you have a good coach, they'll still be able to lay out a plan for you. So I think, yeah. doing, you know, being picky and interviewing a coach, but these other people, you know, when you're looking to the, the people who are super successful, the reason you want to go towards them is because ultimately they have the contacts that you probably probably want. Yeah. But there's there's so much to go around. Really, there is. And I think that's one of the big things, too, is the abundance mentality. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to creating your own mastermind group, it's it's literally just finding other people who are doing what you're doing. And so as you get started, you're going to find groups. on. You're going to find other websites online. You're going to find Facebook groups that are there for free. Um, lots of the people who are successful already have their free what, their free Facebook groups and communities you can join. So if you're going to get involved in those, then put a call out for, hey, I'm looking to start a mastermind group, you know, meeting once or twice a week or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for five other people to join. Take initiative to create something and you'll find people. Um, I've created, you know, so I have a, a mastermind out here in San Diego with Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas and all of them that Pat and Caleb and I put together earlier this year. That's fantastic. I have yeah. a mastermind with five other financial planners that we, that's the one we meet with every two weeks. And then I have another group of female entrepreneurs that I put together on my own of people who, you know, there's stylists, there's personal coaches, there's all these different people in that group that we get together and pick each other's brains on our businesses as well. So yeah. you have likely the tools in your kit to kind of do this already. Yeah. So just putting your, it's again, putting yourself out there for the mastermind group part. Um, and the personal coach, I'd say, just look to somebody who can authentically help you. Yeah. Well, you just said something that I think is the perfect um, summation 
I, I don't know of the whole of, the, of this whole conversation and maybe of the whole business is take initiative to create something and put it out there and you'll find someone. And I just think that is um, that's a huge takeaway from this, at least for me. So <laughs> thank you so much, Mary Beth, for being on the show and sharing all this, because I mean, this was very helpful for me. And I think it's going to be uh, great for people listening. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. I really appreciate it. Well, that's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening, as always. Thanks to Fizzle for supporting the show. I'm serious, guys. Go check this out. Fizzle.co slash TGM. It's a no-brainer. Free six-week trial, and it will change your life. I'm not lying to you. Thanks, uh, Mary Beth, for coming on the show, and really enjoyed that conversation. And uh, go check out avclark.com. There's, this is episode 26. We've got a bunch of other episodes in there that were great. I've actually had Chase and Corbett on the show previously. You can listen to those interviews and probably find a little bit more about Fizzle if you're interested in that. And uh, what else? This week's giveaway, avclark.com slash free. Enter to win a copy of Stephen King's On Writing. And uh, the last thing, if, if you like this stuff, if it's meaning something to you and you want to help me out, then you can go to avclark.com slash donate and throw in a dollar or two. Well, I think that's it. That's all I've got for you today. Uh, looking forward to Friday's episode, and I hope you check back for that. Really appreciate you listening and all the support. The show's meant a lot to me, and you guys make it possible. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of how many words am I at?